Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera, and I'm in studio with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Hello, shalom, shalom. And we are studying the Torah portion Pinchas, or Phineas, which can be found in the book of Numbers. We are uh, coming close to the end of the book of Numbers, and this is uh, Numbers chapter 25, verse 10 through chapter 29, and verse 40. Exciting stuff. Pincus in the end of the last Torah portion just speared a couple people at the door of the tabernacle. And I think yes, now he, did. he got a whole Torah portion were, named after him. They were caught in the act. I mean, that's the, the description we have there. But yeah, so we uh, basically have Phineas who steps up. He's a third generation. And uh, he actually turned back the anger of the Lord. Numbers 25, 11. So Phineas or Pincus, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest. So he's actually a third generation getting ready to go into the land. Of course, his father was Eliezer, whose father was, of course, Aaron or Aaron. So at the time of this third portion, Aaron has died and Eliezer is now high priest. That is correct. And so Phineas is a priest, the son of the high priest. That's right. Got so it. He's, he's in succession here. Uh, the interesting thing about this third generation thing is that <clears throat> I believe in, through the scriptures we can find, even in Joel, uh, it makes reference to in the last days, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will have visions. Old men will dream dreams. And so with that, we also know that Peter quotes this. And I think that what we have to do is uh, really figure out, okay, three is divine of the Lord. Uh, the Father, I believe he wants... Three generations. He wants three generations at least, I mean, that are born again, baptized in water, filled with the Spirit, and have the Torah. Just think about that. That's an interesting concept, you know. Uh, as I look back, uh, we have, of course, uh, Pastor Tifa, who's the matriarch, who, of course, uh, has Torah written in her mind and her heart. And her daughter, uh, Danielle, who I married, uh, has Torah on her mind and her heart. And we have seven children. Josiah is the oldest. He'll be 18. Uh, in September, and of course, we know that he has Torah on his mind and his heart. So, would that be enough to say three generations ready to go into the land? I don't know. Where does that first generation start? You know, it's interesting. Uh, my children grew up in Hebrew roots, but we didn't. So, it's it's interesting. I know a lot of the scriptures talk about the different age groups, the different ethnic groups. Uh, well, if this is a picture, think about it. Aaron started in Egypt, right? You started in that's Egypt. That's right. That's right, but I'm you not going to say that. I'm going to say that I am Joshua. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> him and Caleb, the only one that made it, and the only one was a Jew. Okay, so I'm going to go with Joshua. It's like statistics. You can just look at anything and make it say whatever you want. You know? I guess you can. You can. You know. <laughs> but I believe we're on the we're on the we're on the cusp of something great. Uh, what were the names of the two people that uh, Pincus killed? Numbers 25 verses 14 and 15. All right, so the, the gentleman uh, was Zimri, the son of Salu, a prince of a chief house among the Simeonites. So Zimri was a Simeonite. And then Cosby was the foreign woman, uh, the daughter of Zur, of a chief house in Midian. So here you have the Midianites. We've got a conspiracy going on. Balak is, of course, a Moabite. And the uh, elders of Midian, which is today, of course, Saudi Arabia. And I'm going to have Ryan is going to go ahead and read 
Numbers chapter 25, verses 20, or actually Numbers 25, verses 16 through 18. Now listen to this. This is an instruction from the Lord. All right. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites, and smite them, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor, and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a prince of Midian, their sister, which was slain in the day of the plague for Peor's sake. Wow. Three things to notice in these verses here. You have the word vex, wiles, and beguiled. So he wants them to vex the Midianites, you reap what you sow, smite them, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you. This particular word vex is zarar, and it is, of course, uh, the word means to cramp, literally or figuratively, uh, adversary, afflict, besiege, distress, enemy, oppress. Think about what the enemy is always trying to do to us is to distress us to be an enemy, an adversary, to afflict, right? Uh, Give no place to the devil. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. He's trying to cause distress, but this too will pass. There's that word vex. Uh, The word wiles is nakal. It means cunning, craft, to defraud or act treacherously. So this is what's happening. We're going to get to this even in the New Testament to show you how relevant it is for today, how demonic host use people to come after us to attack us verbally physically whatever socially i mean whatever they want to do but there's the word vex there's the word wiles and then we have the word they have beguiled you this is once again the same word nakal as wiles once again to be deceitful or to be crafty cunning you know and so when we begin to look at the scriptures Uh, Where do we find some of these words in the New Testament? We're going to go ahead and look at, I believe, Ephesians 6.11. It's my little side note here for all of you. Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I don't have time to get into the full armor of God, but let me tell you something. This is something that you put together. This is something the Lord has put together. And if you want to stand up against the evil one, you have to put on the clothing, the armor, the way the Father wants us to. Uh, And so once again, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, this particular word, wiles, is interesting. It's the Greek word, methodia. Mm. It means traveling over. Now, this word traveling over, think about it. Satan is like a roaring lion right? Mm-hmm. Seeking who, whom he, he may devour. So he's traveling over the land. He's the prince of this world. It also means, the methodia means travesty or trickery. Uh, to lie in wait. And this is also indicating to treat methodically or with a method. So I want to encourage all of you out there that have weaknesses. Let them dissipate. Overcome your weaknesses. Okay? Overcome the temptation. Because he has a method against you. And we call... Uh, the reference of familiar spirits or those spirits that are assigned to us at our birth that are even handed down through iniquity to continue the curse. And uh, how do you break the curse? You quit doing it. Like divorce. Maybe divorce runs in your family. Stay married. You know what I'm saying? Stay married. All these things that are happening, all these 
lines of iniquity that will come down, we need to recognize the pattern in our family because I believe we're, we're probably the first generation to break all these curses. So once again, Satan has a method against you. You know, it's very interesting that if you want to go up against somebody in a war, uh, you cannot look at your assets and your resources and your manpower and everything you have, your artillery. You have to look at what you're up against. You have to study the enemy. You have to say to yourself, what does the enemy have that I need to know about? Uh, once again, uh, also this word that we looked at, uh, wiles, is interesting, but we also have another word, uh, beguiled, which is also found in the New Testament. It is 2 Corinthians 11.3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Imagine that. So we know that Eve was beguiled by the serpent. And of course, Paul is making reference, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Christ. Once again, this is the Greek word exapateo. All right. It means to deceive or to seduce holy. And uh, we talked about in the Gospel of Mark, Yeshua makes reference in the story about, hey, if your hand offends you, cut it off. If your foot, cut it off. If your eye, pluck it out. Uh, you know, and he makes reference that, you know, it's better to go into heaven maimed or, you know, with scars, then for your whole body to burn in fire where the worm dieth not. I mean, think about it. I just paraphrase that. So once again, you know, what are you doing with your hands? What are you, where, are you, where are your feet taking you? What are your eyes seeing? So to, to seduce holy, it doesn't take a whole lot. I mean, you got cable, you got the internet, you got the social media, you got all this stuff going Well, it's culture. Us. It's culture in general. I think that this is, uh, you know, how relevant is this for today? I mean, what is the culture out there like compared to the culture that God has you know ordained or put forth for us just the attack on the father um you know i talk about that i was talking to this uh to somebody about this recently about how you know you look at the modern day culture and if you watch the tv shows you watch the movies especially things that are geared towards children uh you'll notice that there is a um that there's a theme that the father figure is always either a wrong or he's a bumbling idiot absent he's absent he's he's made fun of um and it's a it, whether we like it or not. I guess in when you see it in a in playing out within a movie or in a TV show or something like that, it looks innocent there in itself. But when it's you know when it's compiled and it's it's uh, stacked on top of all the other things that they do to attack, it's 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 a an attack on patriarchy in general, uh, the father figure. And we know that when we look at our culture, that a lot of the issues that we have, you know, from sin branches off fatherlessness, right? And that the people that are fatherless are lost and the absence of fathers causes so many other issues and the breakdown of the family unit and so on and so forth causes, you know, crime and cultural issues, things that can be easily prevented if the culture was one to respect the father figure. Oh yeah. That's how you destroy societies that you destroy the families. And, and, but that's just, that's just right. one example of how a, a culture that is the antithesis of God's culture can creep in and cause problems that you don't, you, you, you look at it and you think it's no big deal or you brush it off or you blow it off. But God's saying here, no, you need to nip this in the bud. Oh yeah. And you need to focus on God's ways and not just whatever you, know, you think is right. You, you have to raise the standard at the church. You know, 
we uh, we know that Larry Maglin was the first one to Mayor Larry. Larry, Larry <laughs> that's her brother. Mary Maglin. That was her brother. Mary Maglin had seven demons. Imagine <laughs> that. Seven demons. She was the first one to see the resurrected Lord. You know. Yeah. So this is a really encouragement uh, for all of us, whether it's Larry or or Mary. <laughs> but the bottom line is that. We are so excited. Well, nowadays, she could be Larry or Mary. Well, the, I don't know about that. But I'm just saying that here we go. I mean, I'm just saying that there's hope for all of us. Yeshua wants to see us well and delivered and whole. And um, and so once again, we're going to see where the Lord is saying, you know, and that's where I want to protect the vision of Beit Tehillah and this property and the church and the people because, you know, I don't want the wiles of the enemy to come in or people to, to be beguiled. And, you know, we don't want to have that. We want to make the place safe. So... So we're going to go into this mode here. He's, he's basically saying plan, a plan of action here for what they had done. There's an evaluation. Uh, and, and by the way, we're just remembering that, you know, 24,000 people died. Okay. So once again, the enemy struck. He came up with his methodia, his, his method. And he got his he, pound he, of flesh. He, he got us, you yeah. know, and uh, we did it to ourselves. And that's what we do every day. That's right. When you think about the heroes of the Christian faith and, and why you're not accelerating or advancing, it's your own fault. You can't blame your boss, your spouse. You can't blame anybody but yourself because you got to go after your inheritance, you know. And so with that, now all of a sudden, we're going to go into um, uh, another census. Um, so the Lord told Moses and Eliezer to take a census, Numbers 26.2. And who was counted in the census? But all the congregation of the children of Israel from 20 years old and upward, uh, Numbers 26.2. Once again, same requirements as in the first census. And so where were the people counted in Numbers 26.3? On the plains of Moab. And were the children of Korah still alive after their father's death in Numbers 26.11? That's interesting. Yes, they were. Korah's children were still alive. See, they, they weren't responsible for their father's misconduct. So that's a, that's a lesson to be learned, you know. Uh, we're all responsible for our own lives, our own actions, thoughts, words, and deeds. So we're going to get to the census now. Uh, what tribe had the greatest decrease in the second census? So Simeon had the greatest decrease in the first census. Uh, they were counted as 59,300, uh, and that's the, the, what is it, the males 20 years old and upwards. That's correct. And then the second census, it was 22,200. So it's... Wow, it's a, what a hit. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a So Simeon hit. didn't make it too well in that in that regard, you know. I think that plague had a lot to do with it right before going into the land of Israel. Oh, and by the way, that's that's what it's all about. Numbers chapter 22, verse 2, all the way through Numbers, uh, I believe, chapter 36, is you're at the gate to the land. The prom- You are at the gate. You are on the banks of the Jordan River right across from Jericho, and you are on the plains of Moab, and you are ready to go into the land. Boom, the enemy hits. And so... We're, this is called damage control right now. Uh, this is what takes place after the fact. Uh, what tribe had the greatest increase in the second census? Uh, so this is going to be in Numbers uh, 26, 12 through 51, and we're comparing the first and second census from Numbers 1, 21 through 43. Um, and this is Manasseh. Uh, in the first census, they had 32,200. And in the second census, they had 52,700. So that's a... So Manasseh, well, the house 000. of Joseph's cooking right now. He's doing well. Uh, what was the total number of people counted in the second census? Numbers 2651. This is going to be 601,730. 
601,730. And once again, in the first census, they had 603,550. It's interesting, you know, when you look at the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement, you know, so many people are excited, they come into it, and then they realize it's a lifestyle and they get out. Yeah. They, they hightail it backwards, you know. And uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, I think about all the people that had, uh, you know, their Hebrew roots and now no longer even walk in it. So uh, something to think about. Uh, I know when I was uh, going to the Marine Corps Reserves and everything, and I was in a platoon, platoon 2036, and we had over 60 recruits, counting myself. And uh, to tell you, Ryan, it was, it, was, it was quite bizarre because all you had to do was what you were told. The drill instructors told you everything. Do this, do that. And you just listen. They'll yell at you, scream at you and all these things. But I tell you, we graduated with only half, 30. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's the same thing with the vetting process. You know, you had Donald Trump beat out 16 other candidates, right? Even like Jeb Bush spent over $100 million to lose the primary. I mean, think about it. Yeah, because that's... why? It just didn't work, right? And now Trump is our president. And I'm just saying this out of, out of observation. Uh, but there's a vetting process going on among Christianity, I think among the children of Israel, there is a vetting process and we want to pass the test to everyone. And of course, we're going to be getting into, and I'm only sharing this now because, you know, why shoot yourself in the foot? You know, why, why be negative and, and, and come against the church and all these things when, when Yeshua even said what you've done to the least of them, hey, you did it to me. You know, it's funny how the church was really cool and we were all a part of it. And then when we get our Hebrew roots, it's like, oh, we're better than the church. I think it's wrong. I personally think it's wrong. I think it's a wrong mindset. I don't think it's the, the way that it should be handled or, or, or dealt with. I think that we should uh, not look at the church as an enemy, but this is just an advancement for, for people that want to go deeper with God. They want to do the Shabbat. They want to do the feast days. They want the Torah portions. It's relevant for today, teachings and instructions. So that's really the take on it. And uh, we're getting into the inheritance now. You know, I think this is relevant for today. Uh, for whom was the land going to be divided in Numbers 2653? It's going to be as an inheritance according to the number of names. So, And so how we, was the land divided among the tribes in Numbers 2655, going with the names once again? Yep, by lot, according to the names of the tribes of their families, uh, they shall inherit. So think about it. The plumbers want an inheritance. It's a name. Oh, the yeah. Cabreras want an inheritance. That's right. So this is where we're at, people. I believe we're at the precipice. I believe we're at the gate. I personally believe we're at the gate. And if we can weather this onslaught of the enemy... We're gonna we're gonna make it. That's Amen. right. If we can if we can survive the plague caused by the deceitfulness of the sexual immorality and the occult, those two things, and the culture. So if we can can keep ourselves pure from the culture, oh, I think yeah. that we well, can. You, oh, it's gonna be a beautiful day. That's right. And uh, how old did you have to be among the Levites to be counted in the second census? Numbers twenty six, verse sixty two. From one month old or more. So there you go. Uh, now, that, listen, this, these are the Levites. Right. So there's a census for the people and the tribes, and then there's a separate counting or census for the Levites. And why is that, Ryan? Because why? I don't know. You know why. Because they're the Lord's, the Lord's inheritance. Well, they belong to the Lord. They actually belong to the Lord. So he's going to count them separately, not in with everyone else, because they're the ones camped out among the tribes and everything to help them. Well, and you know what's funny is it sounds like a, it sounds like a good thing. Right? But it's kind of it mixed is. in. It's kind of a mixed bag, right? right? It is interesting. I mean, it's a sacrifice and and a benefit all at the same time, just like any leadership position is. Yes, I'm still waiting for my parking spot. So what was the total <laughs> number of Levites counted in the second census? 23,000. 
Wow, numbers 26, 62, 23,000. Now, did the Levites increase or decrease in number for the second census? They, they increased in number. Uh, from the first census, they were at 22,000. Obviously, second census, 23,000. So. Hey, they bumped it up to 1,000. That is incredible. That's really, really good. Once again, they're spread out among Israel to help them, teach them the Torah. Remember, when you had a problem, you went to the priest. Here we go. We're still on the inheritance. We talked about, okay, names are going to be given out for an inheritance. And, and, and tribal leaders and the tribes themselves will be getting an inheritance, right? Because the individuals will make up the tribes, which will make up the geographical area in which they live. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So we have uh, five people that came before Moses requesting a share of the inheritance. These are five, I believe, beautiful Daughters of Zion, beautiful women here. Uh, Numbers chapter 27, verses 1 through 5. We have Malah, Noah, Hoglah, Milcah, and Terzah. And what tribe were the five women from in Numbers 27, 1? They were from Manasseh, the son of Joseph. Manasseh, the son of Joseph, or Joseph. Now, so they're going to approach Moses with a dilemma here. Uh, there were no sons of Zelophehad. And uh, what did the Lord tell Moses to give the five daughters? He said, give them their inheritance. Give them their inheritance. That's right. See, God's no respecter of persons. Well, you what's know? funny is they brought it, right? They brought the case. They said, hey, our father is going to, we're going to lose no his sons. legacy. There's yeah. no sons. Right. So how are we going to carry on his legacy and his inheritance? You know, what, who does, it's just going to go to nobody, right? So they said, we want it. We want our inheritance. It's interesting. I was just wondering, I didn't get a chance to really read it, but 27.7. Uh, what does it say, Ryan? Go ahead and read that verse. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to find out were they, were they killed in the plague or, or, or he just didn't have... No, it says, The daughters of Zelohadad speak right. Thou shalt surely give them a possession of inheritance among their father's brethren, and thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. Now you're looking for... Uh, all right, so here we go, actually. It's here, it's verse 3. Our father died in the wilderness, and he was not in the company of them that gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died in his own sin and had no son. And had no son, so they didn't die in the plague. No, he didn't die in the plague. He didn't die for Korah and didn't die in any of the big events, it sounds like, but died he, he in his own He was just that generation sin. that would yeah. die in the wilderness. Very Correct. interesting, everyone. How many of you want the promised land? Right. Oh, who wants a piece of the promised land? Here we go. Now, once again, look at the steps that are taken, Ryan, after the enemy comes in, does all the damage that he does. The Father in heaven, our, our glorious Father, wants to put things in order. So he begins to put things in order. He does a census, remember? Yep. We talk about we got to have a count. It's all part of the steps of this, you know, um, the seven steps found in the Torah to build a spiritual community. It's all right there. You have to see what you're working with, how many people you have, uh, how to distinguish the uh, different groups of people and where you're going to place them and everything. But here we go. Uh, now we're going to get into uh, leadership. Uh, did Moses want God to set a man over the congregation in Numbers 27, 16? Yes, he did. Yes, Moses wanted God to set a man over the congregation. Interesting, isn't it? That's right. So who did the Lord pick to succeed Moses in Numbers 27, 18? This is one of my favorite verses, so I'm going to read it. It's uh, 27, 18. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. You know what? Why don't you go ahead and uh, let's read. Let's go ahead and read. Uh, what verse did you just get done reading? 20, 27, 18. Okay, 
Go ahead and read uh, all the way to 23. All right. Let's read uh, Numbers 27, verses 19 to 23. All right, and so this is after... And so he, Moses, and lay thy hand upon him, and set him before Eliezer the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eliezer the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word shall they go out, and at his word shall they come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation, and he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. You know, this is an incredible story, Ryan, because I actually lived this out. Oh, yeah. So when I see this in the Bible, I'm like, wow, that's what the Lord did with me. You know, and I tell the story because I want people to understand that we all have a testimony. You know, how did we get here? You know, do we appoint ourselves or... Did God ask us to serve or whatever? And so back in 2002, I find it interesting, in April, uh, I was ordained by, uh, of course, um, Rabbi Messer and uh, my father-in-law, Pastor Randy and and uh, Tikva Dreyer. And so I, we were ordained, both my wife and I together, under the hoopah. And uh, it was a full ordination. And uh, I didn't want it. I, I told him, I said, listen, I'm good. We don't need to do this. So I find it interesting that he really pushed for it. I didn't want it. And so with that... Uh, course some months passed by in the, in the summer uh actually pastor randy um you know got cancer he passed away in uh, november 17th of uh, 2002 and of course what happened is he got this whole property set up almost five acres with the uh you know the the modular and everything was all set he never preached one message from the pulpit and because of his death i was actually elevated to the senior pastor. So once again, just something to think about. I can relate to this. Uh, one of the things I want to point out to everyone is this, not to take away from the Levites, but that's what Moses was. He was a Levite. He was from the Levitical priesthood. Uh, he was the deliverer. But I want to remind everyone, who was the um, leadership transferred to? From Levi? To Ephraim. To Ephraim. Now we know uh, even in Jeremiah 31, it talks about Ephraim has the birthright. You know, people want to talk about this like it's so controversial, but the problem is it's biblical. You know, Judah has the scepter. You know, even Balaam, when he was trying to, you know, speak over the children of Israel, he, he talked about the scepter. The scepter, you know, there's a scepter. Well, Yeshua has the scepter. He's he's Judah. He's Jewish. I mean, well, then both so of Judah those has come the from, scepter. Both of those come from the same chapter in Genesis, chapter 48. So if somebody wants to go and look it up, they can find where... Uh, Jacob, Israel, gives his name, Israel, to Ephraim and Manasseh, and makes Ephraim his he firstborn. He adopts them. He, he right. brings them into the fold. And know? then and in the same you know, set of verses, it says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Yeah. This, and, is why, this is why Ephraim has to grow up. We have to be mature and responsible in the communities in which we live. Well, we have a calling, and the, and the question is, are we going to step up to our calling, or well, that's it, or we're exactly right. Well, that's here's the, the thing: Ephraim is going to become a multitude of people, many nations, the right. goyim, you know. And now, what's happening is they're coming back. So I think by them having the birthright, which is of course found in Jeremiah 31, you can read that later. But but the bottom, it's a responsibility to come alongside Judah and support and help and do things, you know. Yeah. And so that's exciting. Uh, moving along here, we're going to get into now. It's kind of interesting because now you have a leader. You got everything set up. Okay, 
And uh, what animal sacrifice was offered in the morning and in the evening? Numbers 28, 3, and 4. It's going to be two lambs. Two lambs. All right. One in the morning, one in the evening, right? Yep. Uh, Was there a special sacrifice made for the beginning of each month or new moon? Numbers 28, 11. Uh, Yes. Yes, there was. You can find the new moon uh, verse in Numbers 10, 10. Very interesting. We celebrate the new moon every month. And matter of fact, this July, this new moon, we're going to have... Hanok Young with us, and uh, that's going to be exciting. That is exciting. Um, so, uh, Numbers 28, 16. What is the 14th day of the first month? Uh, it's going to be Passover. It's Passover. Is there a full moon on Passover? There is. Oh, yeah. We're fully redeemed, everyone. So, we're moving along here once again, going over the new moon, going over the uh, Passover. Uh, how long is the Feast of Unleavened Bread in Numbers 28, 17? Seven days. Seven days. Seven means completion, so seven days. Amen. Amen. Uh, were there special offerings for first fruits in Numbers 28, 26? Yes, there was. Yes, there were special offerings for first fruits, Numbers 28, 26. Uh, Mike was saying that that is, of course, the Feast of Shavuot. Right, because we have a first fruits, which is during the week of unleavened bread, but then there's also an equivalent of first fruits, which is another harvest uh, celebration at the end of the Omer counting, which is Shavuot. Very interesting. Let me find the uh, little reference here. Leviticus 23.10. Would one be the first fruits of the barley harvest and one be the first fruits of the wheat harvest? Is that is that correct? Or is the, is one the, the time of the first ripe grapes? I mean, what are, what are we looking at there? You know, this is interesting. You know, I, I would have to say that this is actually, you have Passover, unleavened bread, then first fruits the day after the Sabbath. Right. So that's what I would say that would be a reference to uh, in that regard. I mean, that's that's just what I see on here, right. uh, which is interesting. So once again, first fruits would be the day after the Sabbath, uh, after Pesach. So you can find that, of course, in Leviticus, I believe, 23.10. We're going to move on now. What did they blow in the seventh month on the first day in Numbers 29.1? The trumpets. Oh, they blew the trumpets in the seventh month of the first day. So far, so good. So far, so good. A lot of things dealing with the trumpets in the Bible. You can study it out for yourself. Uh, Very, very interesting uh, subject. So once again, we are looking forward to the fall feasts. Uh, Moving on here, what did did you afflict on the tenth day of the seventh month? Your souls. You'd afflict your souls, which is a reference to fasting. Right. Numbers 29.7. This is, of course, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. Uh, Are you allowed to work on this day? Numbers 29.7. Nope. You are not allowed to work. No now work. we've uh, looked at uh, trumpets. We've looked at atonement. Now what about tabernacles? Let's read Numbers 29 and verse 12. And on the 15th day of the seventh month, ye shall have a holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work, and ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. Once again, a full moon. We so he, so fully, basically God says, restored and regathered. listen, I want you to throw a party for seven days, and I don't want you to do any work. Very good. I mean... The oppression of the Torah and the it's, being it's under the law, it's just horrible. I you know, can't it's the Feast of Engathering as well. Did you know that? It is. Um, matter of fact, uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles in the seventh month, was there a sacrifice performed each day for seven days? Numbers 29, verses 12 through 34. So think about it. Was there a sacrifice performed each day there for was. seven days? And here's a quick thought. If you compare this to the marriage supper of the Lamb, right, and you look at the parable of the wedding feast, 
And there's all these people, and they're like, the invited guests don't come. And so what does he say? He says, hey, look, I'm just going to open it up for everybody. Come one, come all, let's do this. But you still have to be in protocol, right? Because then the one guy gets thrown out for not being dressed. You know, that, that is so true. You know, going back to the Feast of Ingathering, and as we close out this particular Torah portion, uh, Exodus 23, 16 says, uh, in regard to the three national feast days, which are Passover, okay, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Uh, it says here, and the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. See, God is gathering; He, yes, is, he is not scattering. Amen. Right? You've got to belong to a community of people and lock arms and do this thing. Amen. And of course, what kind of an assembly was held on the eighth day? Numbers twenty-nine thirty-five. It was a solemn assembly. We call this the eighth great day. So you got the seven days for tabernacles, the eighth great day to cap it all off. A.K.A. Simcot Torah. There you go. Could work be done on this day? No. Numbers 29:35. Now this is the day where you'll see like a lot of people in Jerusalem near the uh, the wall and they're carrying the Torah scrolls and they're dancing in circles and they're celebrating because Simcot Torah means the joy of Torah. And if you go back and you listen to episode one of our podcast, we did that on Simcot Torah. And I think we're going to have a podcast party on the next we, Simcot we, Torah. We, we probably will. We, we will. We need to have it. So will. once again, in closing here, we have, of course, uh, eight feast days, found in Leviticus, counting Sabbath, all the feast days. Uh, just a little reminder that uh, if we didn't uh, have the golden calf incident in Exodus 32, we wouldn't need the Day of Atonement because what was the Day of Atonement for? But for the corporate forgiveness of the sins of the people, placing those sins upon the goat, uh, and then, of course, taking it out to the wilderness. And, of course, the other goat was offered up as a sacrifice for the place or the dwelling place, uh, which is, of course, the tabernacle. So if you think about it, Ryan, there would only be seven uh, feast days and not eight, but God gives us eight. And this is a reflection and um, a thought process here about eight covenants. Uh, you have the covenant made with Eden, number one. Number two, the covenant made with Adam or Adamic, and the covenant made with Noah. So both Eden, Adam, and Noah are universal covenants. They affect everyone. We go into the fourth uh, covenant. It's Abraham, and it is, of course, unconditional. Uh, five is Moses. It's conditional, uh, giving of the Torah and everything, that covenant. We have the Davidic covenant with King David and, of course, the uh, the scepter and, and the whole monarchy of, of, of the Davidic dynasty. We have the covenant that's renewed in the New Testament with Yeshua dying on the cross for our sins and renewing it and uh, bringing us back to the Father. Last but not least, we have the peace covenant, and that is the last covenant found. Once again, we have eight covenants, which is a, a very interesting because eight is new beginnings in regard to also the eight feast days. So uh, just a little reminder as well, we are in the three weeks of affliction. This is the time from like June 30th, which is Tammu 17, all the way through the 9th of Av. Right. So we've got to bring your A game. You got to be sober. You got to be vigilant. You got to be productive. Okay, everybody remember that. Be sober, be vigilant, be productive and uh, be aware. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of what's going on. Because historically, as we look back, you know, this was a time even when they said on the 9th of August when the spies gave a bad report. That's right. So we want to give a good report. This is not about being afraid of what's coming, but this is about the glorious opportunity that the Father has given us to shine and learn from our forefathers. Amen? Amen. And so, you know, when I when I read this Torah portion, uh, the one thing that sticks out to me is inheritance. Uh, God has an inheritance for us. And uh, the question for us is, are we going to step up and take on the role that's going to provide for that inheritance, or will we not? 
And so, uh, you know, personally, I think that uh, I'm going to choose to. What about you? Oh, I'm in. You, I'm, you in go, I'm in it to win it. Are you going for your inheritance? I'm in it to win it. All right, know. let's do it. So that's what we want to do. We want to encourage you guys. Get into the Word. Let the Word get into you. Uh, be in prayer. Uh, be in worship with God. Uh, connect with the Holy Spirit. Uh, spend time with the Lord. It's important uh, to do those things. Then your spiritual exercises are the way to keep yourself, uh, you know, sober and and uh, sharp. Right. So so get into the Word. Uh, get into prayer and get into worship. So. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to us, you can get to us on the web at topraise.net. Uh, you can also watch our services live every week on Saturdays at 11 uh, by clicking the, the live tab on there or on YouTube, Facebook, or Periscope. Uh, I believe also maybe even on Instagram. Uh, and then uh, if you wanted to reach out to us here at the office, the, the phone number is 813-654-2222. And you can also email me directly at ryan at God bless you guys. Have a great week.